I was excited. That was that was my line. You steal it from me sometimes. We got Dr. James White yes, in the studio. Oh the good goodness. doctor. Hey. We did have your daughter first. That's but, true. But that made us want to have you then, finally, eventually. She, she, she was the, your John the Baptist. <laughs> she, was, she prepared the way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what it was. But so, I have to think about are we going to lock down again? Are we going to lock down again? No. Is that going to happen? No. no. Some of y'all might go lock down again. I'm not locking down. The IRS is fixing to bring it, though. Uh-oh. Mm. Pay attention to this. Pastor Toby, Chuck Knox, I'm the water boy in... Do I do I need Doctor White? I mean, like, just, do, do I need like? Where's your sweater? Uh, he actually has one. Okay, because he right goes there. over. To, it's right he, there. Okay, I'm just making sure. Is it sure. a Kooji? No, it's a, a sweater vest. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. Sweater vest dialogues. You decide to come on the show in person? Yes, without a Kooji. You know why? Because you imported Arizona weather. <laughs> it's pretty warm. It's pretty warm. We there. have air conditioning in the studio. Uh, Doug kept telling me that uh, where we do the sweater vest dialogues, he doesn't have air conditioning. No, that's true. That's, that but, is true. But, but, but we have air conditioning here. here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, see, I see, but I see what it is. So if Doug was here, though, you would actually wear a coochie. So no, not on this that. trip. No, okay. Kuji, Kuji, no, Kuji okay. is not a summer thing. I'm sorry. I just, I just, I just don't want to ever see you in a Kuji. I, well, that's, that's, I do. I want to see you in person. It's, it's like, sort of famous. It's like the only thing are. I know about you. If you it's go like to the zoo, you see the guy that wears Kuji. Right. I don't know. You, you don't know about it. How many books have I read? I'm like, you mean we're having the guy with the Kujis on the show? Exactly. Like, okay. Exactly. If you go to the zoo, you want to see the bears. Okay. You want to see the bears. So excited. Wear Kujis. But you do. And you don't have one here. Oh, oh, man. I have an Apologia shirt. Oh, that's good. That is. is that, come on. That is. Am I supposed um, to do the plug now? Or? Protestant orange. You got uh, Catholic it's green just, in there. No, that's, that's, that's a very Irish. confused co- logo. I'm, I'm not giving the heretics colors. That's, okay. What's, what's is that the new flag that we're going to promote? Is that uh, what no? We're okay, okay. No. I'm just wondering what we're just, doing. Now. Just so you okay, know. What, what do we do now? We're, we're going to do politics of sex. Okay, here, all right, right. Go ahead. Doctor James White's not going to be there. Although we need to get you out. His daughter's yeah, going to be there. My daughter's going to be there. Again, again, she's got to go first, just so everything's all right. We'll see if it's safe. He's got some place where I can park my RV. You guys missed it. James White oh. rolls up to my house today. I'm bringing. I'm doing. We're doing this live. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is going to go all over the world. Now. I understand. Okay? That. <laughs> he, he doesn't. He doesn't fly anymore. And so he drove his RV up, okay. up from Arizona to, to Idaho, and he pulled up to my house. And um, apparently, I don't. We, we unload his RV off. The, it's a fifth wheel off his truck. And apparently, my house doesn't have the electricity he needs. So we had to find a different spot. Yeah. And it took us an hour. It's to hook back up again. It took it took him an hour to hook it back up, oh. <laughs> up again. <laughs> just he pulled forward five inches. Pulled backwards five inches because you you know the fifth wheel you get the hitch. Are you done? It's, it's got to like click into it. It's yeah. got to click into it. And it's, right. it's I'm sure went, this is really really important it for the click. world to know. <laughs> so, like, so please. it was a very stressful morning. Well, go ahead, please. And talk I just about it. I just stress ate taco time before the show. <laughs> so you might want to watch his microphone. I'm just saying there could be some so, bad. Stuff um, so we're going to be in Lebanon, yep. Tennessee, right outside of Nashville, September 9th through the 11th with um, the Sheologians, with his daughter. the Sheologians, <laughs> and. Gary DeMar is going to be speaking with Chocolate yeah. Knox. We yeah. got David Bonson. We got Doug Tenaples. What's Doug, the SWAT talk we haven't, we haven't, uh, we haven't announced? Did we no- announce them all? Uh, the Patriarchy guys. Yeah, we got them with John oh, Brannion. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the podcast guys. Yeah, we got them with uh, uh, George Grant. I don't know. Give me another one. I can't remember. We got uh, Ben Merkel and Schaefer, Jeff Schaefer. Yeah. He's really excited about it. These are lit, man. I know. You guys, you, guys don't even, so, you guys don't even know Jeff Schaefer, yeah. and you should. And like, you're going to love him. Yeah. A former ADF lawyer, um, ninja. 
Um, I'm really excited to tell you guys about our new partnership with Dime Payments. I've been excited every time I've read this ad. <laughs> I need an update. Dime Payments is a Christian- I'm still excited. <laughs> Christian-owned processing payment business. Every business needs a payment processing system, so go to dimepayments.com forward slash FLF and sign your business up. Working with them supports us at CrossPolitik, and they won't cancel you yep. like mm-hmm. Stripe canceled mm-hmm. President Trump. That's right. They won't cancel you like MailChimp canceled Babylon B. Mm-hmm. Check them out. At least have a phone call and tell them that CrossPolitik sent you. Go to yep. dimepayments.com forward slash FLF. They are Message. good people. So are are we going to get back into lockdowns? Yeah, we are. I think oh, we're oh, going that way. Oh wait, wait before before we get into the lockdown stuff. Yes. Okay. Um. Uh. And we have to get in those communities, and we have to knock on those doors, and we have to convince people, and put them in a car, and drive them, and get that vaccine in their arms. That, that's all I wanted to hear because Cuomo <laughs> is now getting in a car and leaving the governor's mansion in New York. We're going to go to the that's houses. It. That's it. We're going to put them in a the car. He got in a car apparently and now he's no longer governor you know, of New York anymore. This is really interesting. I was thinking about this because this, this news is going everywhere. Have you been paying attention to this, Doc? It's hard while traveling, but I am now wondering who is the governor of New York. Uh, Lieutenant governor. Um, but you should have listened to But is that our, an improvement? You should, you should have Kate listened Hochul. to our news briefs this week, and this wouldn't have been a I problem. I do listen this, to your news briefs. This, well, not, no, you not don't. This week. Yes, I do. Do you really? I do. Hey. Honestly, I do. Wow. Thank you. Honestly, Thank you. I do. Wow. Did Summer really, start that I, first, and then you you like, oh, I, I have no now. idea, but um, <laughs> who was first? I listened to. Nine dog chase 20 soldiers. That is not true. That is not. Look who you're quoting. Yeah. That's, that's your sources. All right. So you covered this in the in the news brief. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cuomo's resignation, and he has a lieutenant governor. Uh, she replaced him. But what's funny about apparently lieutenant governor and Cuomo's relationship is pretty tenuous, kind of like ours here in Idaho. Okay. And so they weren't getting along the last six months or so, or okay. a year. Yeah, yeah, or whatever. But she's she's not much better. If she wanted minimum wage to be fifteen bucks. She's pro pro abortion, all that jazz. So she's like a Republican, just a little less Republican, but she's not. No, she's she's a She'd probably be more of a moderate Democrat than Cuomo. I said Republican. So. Yeah. <laughs> in New York. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. New York, Seriously. Yeah. Definitions used to matter. Practically so. conservative in New York. <laughs> yeah, probably. Exactly. So we've been, we've been, you guys have been following this. Uh, like um, Vaccine conversations are starting to go crazy. They are. Um, lockdowns are starting to pick up some sort of steam. Masking is all over the place now. And, and I wanted to remind people. At lockdowns don't work. Right. Now, what's funny here is I have. I'm sorry, what you say for the people in the back? Lockdowns don't okay, work. Okay, right, right. we should go back and drum up my old episode where we did the lockdown. <laughs> Tell don't work. people the truth. Exactly. You can't handle the truth. I like you got the full stinger there. Um, but it, the funny thing about this graph, so I, for those who are just listening via audibly, um, I have a graph here Which of is how Australia. People generally, listen. Yeah, it's audibly. Yep. It's, audibly. Yeah. So I have a graph here of Australia, and and they're a seven day cycle of of COVID. Um, statistics okay. starting back to January 2020. Okay. okay, okay. And so you see, back in about March is so this when is some science. This is some science right here. This comes from the CDC. Okay, is, oh. daily okay. new cases from the CDC. I I, I went and confirmed that now, this World, graph, he- World Health, uh, Health Organization. It couldn't be CDC. If this is Australia. The CDC is based on. Um, that's right. That's right. WHO. Um, World, w- WHO. Uh, yeah. But and then I, I went actually to WHO's website and confirmed that okay. this was. Okay. And so what someone did was they put dates on where Australia locked down. Okay. So March 20, uh, they, they started getting COVID cases in like the beginning of March and they locked down March 23rd yeah. and then they kind of had a little spike there. So they kind of think, oh, lockdowns work. Yeah. Right. Right. And then um, around June 20th, they started having cases increase again. So they locked down again. June 30th. And Wait, hold on cases just 
spiked so in July. Here's a question I like, have. Way high. Yep. When did the lockdowns come off? After March 23rd to 25th, when did they stop with the lockdowns? I don't know. That's a good question. But look, but look at him. It just keeps going. Yeah, I mean, yeah, even so, I it mean, doesn't I matter. Mean, it, you can kind of sort of, like, it's, it's totally whacked. But look, they have no lock. They can sort of do a lockdown, a couple lockdowns, mm-hmm. huge spikes. So they just start locking down all the time. Yep. Yeah, and, they, and they go to different levels. So, so they, that's, did, that's they, did a, going on they did a national lockdown, yeah. and then each region's doing their own additional okay. lockdown. Yeah, trying to like. Okay. So I don't think they ever came out of lockdown in March. Okay. From mm. March to June, they just locally, they started locking down harder. And then so you have this big spike in, in the middle of June, and then you run it all the way out to kind of the present uh, data and they're, and right they're now. spiking again. And they're locking down like crazy. I mean, like, cops are going door to door from house to house yeah, actually, in Australia. The police chief was asked if he actually asked for the powers to be able to make sure mm-hmm. that people in their own homes mm-hmm. were in their own homes when he went and knocked on their doors yeah. and the, the ability to be able to do that, to yeah. say, hey, you're not here, to lock yeah. them up if they're not in their houses. And he yeah. said, thankfully, most people are still in their houses that they were supposed to be, which I was very bummed about, to be honest right. with you. I want well, a little no, more that's, resistance. That's what Australia's doing. They, they had a few protests in the last few weeks, and there was at least one press conference where this where one of the leaders is there is like I don't know why they're so worked up and one of the press corps right. about goes, you goes, you <laughs> about you yeah, yeah. and so yeah. that that's going on in Australia we got a number of Australian listeners yeah, Aussies we call them they're, Aussies they're Aussie great, fight yeah. laugh feast Aussies people was one of the last places yeah. I traveled was Melbourne oh, yeah. in 2019 ran a 10k next to the ocean down there it was beautiful wow. wonderful people. Uh, conversations with Muslims down there in the house, but the loss of freedom yeah. is astonishing wow. yeah. in Australia. Are you familiar with Josh Williamson, the open air preacher? Of course, yeah. yeah. He's out there right now too, right? Is he I th- no, he's up. He's, he's back up in in uh, England. Oh, okay, well, yeah, he had it's been not there. much better. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. So and and then now there's every state's got its examples of some of the lunacy that's going on now. Right now here in Idaho, our University of Idaho, there are, um, the the call at least University of Idaho is requiring all students to mask up on campus. Right. Okay. So that that's baseline happening. Okay. Now they can't require vaccinations because our governor Governor Little signed an executive order saying government organizations cannot require vaccinations here in Idaho. Oh. So here's what um, this is my alma mater. Here's what they're doing. They are basically giving. Uh, students a $50 gift card or something like equivalent like cookies on campus or food on campus, whatever it is, $50 gift card and cookies for them to either prove and show they've been vaccinated or get vaccinated on campus. Oh, And then they get to opt into this this uh, drawing of $5,000. So all the, all the students have been vac- vaccinated, they could potentially two, get it. Two, yeah, two 5000 awards. And, and then 10000 10, awards. $1,000 awards. It, one. Yeah, yeah. Cook, bunch of cookies. Yeah, right. Tons of cookies. Is that, um, really, is that really worth the risk that you may never have children? Have you tasted those cookies though? <laughs> no, I have not. You well, know what see? you can do with a thousand dollars? Oh, exactly. But but here, here here's the thing. Um, you all uh, responded way too fast. <laughs> kids, <laughs> kids, that's funny. Kids under eighteen years old. You have a better chance of dying from the flu from the coronavirus. Yes, kids do. under 18 years old. So here's right. the numbers for kids. So if you look at it right now, especially on the element, under Run 17, it. it's yeah. uh, zero to 0. 0.2 are the numbers of deaths in that age group. To, under, to 17. Se- under 17. That's right. And that's, it's that's basically, it's about 360 something cases have died or ended up in death. Yeah. Under so age 17. why you would even need the vaccine is. For flu, it's over 400. It's, right. for, sub- but it's what, for submission. We all know that. Right. Yes, sir. Yes. <sighs> but what you're comparing to. Is the flu season? They, the data goes between 2019 and 2020. That's the last good data we have because the coronavirus. Apparently, there's no flu last year. Right. Um, <laughs> what they're talking about the numbers we have 365, 360 something deaths from the coronavirus of ages 18 and under. Um, that is since January 20, 
20. So right. it's actually uh, counting a year and a half. They're still yeah. doing a cumulative They're count. still doing a cumulative count. Trying to get that number as high as they can. And so it's a joke oh, man. Uh, uh, what's going on here. Right. Are you say most, that? most people yeah. don't know. I was department fellow in anatomy and physiology in college. I was a double major, Bible and biology. Wow. And in fact, well, praise uh, in fact we, uh, well, actually, if you've read uh, one of my early books presenting reformed theology, I, I talked about this fact because I was talking about the deadness of man. I illustrated our cadavers. We actually had real cadavers that we dissected, yeah. and we'd have high school students come in. And I would, remember Quincy? Do, do any of you are old enough? None of you are old enough to remember Quincy. Quincy who? Quincy oh, Jones? Anybody in here? Quincy? We've got two people that remember Quincy. By the way, you didn't introduce our audience. We'll talk about know, Quincy. Quincy was a television show back in the 70s where he was a medical examiner. And in the opening, he would pull the sheet back on a dead body and all these cops would pass out. Uh, as part oh. of the opening, okay, because yeah. he was he was sort of CSI long before CSI. He was Dexter, uh, something along those yeah. lines. But anyways, <laughs> I got to do that for high school yeah. students, which was sort of fun. Here's like, the, here's right, the whole right. point. There's a reason for I, why I said all this, okay. and that is listening to what these even these numbers. When you talked about how many um, deaths under age eighteen, right, right. Anybody who knows anything about mortality knows that serious medical science asks. Multiple questions as to what the sources mm-hmm. of death were. Right. With or from. So, so comorbidities and everything else, we are right. still confusing dying right. with mm-hmm. COVID, uh, with dying of COVID. Yep. Yep. And the reality is, if people just knew death numbers, if they knew heart attacks, if they knew uh-huh. cancers, if How they knew tuberculosis, the exactly, they would recognize that the numbers being thrown at them are minuscule, but they don't. Right. know those things right and the media does not want them to know those things right. because it's all a matter of control that's right. all it is right well we more helpful would be excess deaths right less less um deaths uh, in addition to what you would have expected right given statistical that's normalities. what Danae, Danae Rancourt came that's right well, yeah when we talked to him that was his big thing yeah, was, he was all cause mortality death right, right. And, and he argued that the excess deaths that there, there were a few small spikes in excess deaths, yep. and he said that directly correlated probably to the lockdowns themselves. And the nursing homes where they yeah. put yeah. people yeah. Like, exactly. we, we, people, who, people who were not getting That's treatment, right. people who were not getting the hospital care they needed, and all the nursing homes. Mm-hmm. He, he thought... That's where it was You've got to remember, from. I had a friend tell me in 2017, and I thought he was a little bit, mm, uh, when he told me, but in 2017, <laughs> he told me, he told, well, you should know, you can interpret that. Um, you have those gifts. Um, at least Is it because he's black? You, uh, yeah. Is it like, like, like Knox has those like charismatic gifts because he's black? I'm not going to answer that question. So I had a friend oh, in 2017 telling me, that a medical mm-hmm. emergency and public safety would be the greatest mechanism ever used to remove our freedoms from us and fundamentally change our society. Wow. That was 2017. Wow. Well, you know, he wasn't wrong about that, but we didn't have to see that from 2017. We saw the same thing happen in the civil rights movement and with the black codes, all the other things that happened from uh, Jim Crow laws. All those were health issues that were put in place to keep us segregated. And that same stuff is coming back even right now. Except now the technology exists to communicate that to everybody, no that, matter where they are and what their education is or anything else. Yeah, yeah. And now they can, they can put pictures, the molecule up on the screen, and you know you, we all see the coronavirus, and it looks like it's going to eat your face off and stuff like that. And <laughs> the, 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 level, the level of panic that has been created in mm-hmm. our society, mm-hmm. and a panicked people are a very easily controlled people. Yes, they mm. are. That's right. Yes, yes. Fearful people. I want to ask you uh, real quick. What do you? Th- 
This is going to get us in trouble. I think we're done with the news no, section. I, no, <laughs> I, so what's, what's your take on the Great Reset? Because everybody's talking about it. It's out there. How is, um, with everything that's going on, because you just became... <laughs> <laughs> He's sitting here. <laughs> the poor man, the poor man's sitting there in a suit trying to ask a serious question and <laughs> obviously you've never watched this show. Oh yes, I have. <laughs> when we, when we oh, come yeah, back, this is how our business meetings go yeah, too. Yeah. So you know. I want to know what Dr. White's take is on the great reset and you have to wait for that. So, you might want to download the app cuz you might have something to do which would be stupid. More cross politics <laughs> coming up next. Cancel culture is real. CrossPolitik is on the front lines of this battle with the goal of creating a Christian television network and platform where we can't be canceled and where content creators will have the freedom to glorify God. Our goal is to create a space for like-minded businesses to thrive on this platform and to reach an audience that will not only buy your products and services, but also support your business when the heat of cancel culture comes your way. We want our platform to help you create an anti-fragile business as we bring together Christians from all over the world to tune in. With millions of downloads a year, access to DirecTV, Xfinity, and social media outlets, we are excited to partner with you. So, if you own a business and believe in this vision, then you need to call me. I'm Garrison Hardy, and I am the business development rep at CrossPolitik and the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. We are looking for businesses, large or small, that not only have great products and services, but also understand that the cultural battle that is impacting the business climate here and now. I have a background in marketing, and I'd love to help you advertise your business on CrossPolitik. Give me a call at 208-792-1290 or email me at garrison at fightlaughfeast.com. So in 2016, we found out that our youngest son, Asher, had cancer. And I will just never forget crying in the lobby of the hospital on the phone with the Samaritan Ministries person on the other end who was, you know, who ended the call saying, let's just pray about this. When it does hit you and you really wonder what's going to happen, it worked. It continues to be affordable, it works, and it pays the bills. We've changed the order of what we're going to be doing here What's that? in the show notes. We don't pay like, attention to those. You like, know that. Just, what you, order? You, you, you like chastised me this last week. We got to do a better job. Well, at, welcome at back to Cross Politics. We're doing a show. To show notes. That's the water boy. That's Chocolate Knox. I'm Pastor Toby. We have Dr. James Ninja. White. James White in the studio. Just call me, just call me Summer's dad. Summer's dad. Summer's dad is um, part of Alpha. You run Alpha and Omega Ministries. Part yep. of, like, no, part of. Like, are you part of like, it. He is. Alpha it, and you Omega. are yeah. Alpha well, and Omega Ministries. There's only two of us. Me and Rich. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, director, professor, taught Greek systematic theology, various topics in the field of apologetics for numerous schools, and wears Kuji sweaters. That's right. He has authored or contributed to more than 24 books. Mm-hmm. Is still true? Yep. Including the King James only controversy. I didn't plagiarize any of them, so that we we can't remove as far any. as we know. As, 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 oh, but oh. Ellen's <laughs> looking at your books like mm, I'll just. Take he also them. wrote the Forgotten Trinity that Knox says you just yes. got got to read yes. uh, the Potter's Freedom, the God who justifies what every Christian needs to know about the Quran. He's a pastor and elder of Apologia Church in Arizona. He has been married to Kelly for more than thirty nine years, and he is the father of Summer. And another child. Josh. Okay. <laughs> he didn't know his name. But he hasn't, he hasn't sat here. So I know. That's, that's, that's so why, we're just like, you know, you know, yeah, mostly summer. 
Uh, <laughs> and four four wonderful grandchildren yes. that will we be baptized one day. Uh, actually, I've baptized two of them on profession of faith. I knew it. I knew yes. it. Go In the apostolic way. If you have children. I knew it. I just believe already yeah. for you. Because they, they, yeah, you do. I just believe already for you. They need works, you know. Get works, get baptized, you know. So, Let's not saying. do that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That, that, <laughs> that profession of faith, that's real work. Yeah, that was good. So, um, what were you doing 35 years ago? Oh, good grief. Uh, 35 years ago? Yeah, 30, 35. Well, mm-hmm. we had started Alpha and Omega Ministries. Maybe 40. Yeah. Um, so we were, we, we were focused upon Mormonism at first. It was two more missionaries no. who really were the, were the ones that got me involved in doing apologetics. I met th- these two guys, and we spoke uh, for three hours, and I realized, as a preacher's kid, how much I didn't know and wasn't able to communicate to them. Mm. I sensed immediately the, the, the communication bridge, uh-huh. uh, that there was, there was a chasm between us. And I just started studying Mormonism. I read everything that the Christians had written about it, and then no one told me to do this, but I am so thankful. I said, you know what? I see them citing the same books all the time. And so I went to my first LDS bookstore. And I started getting their books and reading their material. No one told me to do it, but the one thing that honestly I think has been most important for Alpha and Omega Ministries, we go to the original sources. We go, I listen to the Muslims talking to the Muslims. I listen to the Mormons talking to the Mormons. Um, and that is, that gives you all the advantage yeah. in the world because it gives you an mm-hmm. accurate understanding of how they're really thinking. And that way you can communicate with them a lot. And better. you've really stepped into their world. I mean, and that's, yeah. that is, I mean, if that, they're, they're talking to them to each other. We started going up to Salt Lake City. Yeah. Uh, we'd drive up there during the general conference and we'd stand outside the, the gates of, uh, of Temple Square mm-hmm. and, of hell. and pass out tracks all, all day long. And uh, the first time we did it, we were so young, we drove up overnight, passed out tracks all day, and then drove back that next night. Now that's called suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody over about 22, you can't stay awake can't that, that long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we stopped doing that after a while when we almost did die a few wow. times. Uh, but we, I've, 36 times I think we did that uh, going up there during the general conference. They're not doing conferences right now. I have never seen any particular group show more fear of COVID Interesting. Than the Mormons. You know, wow. the, the, really? the interesting thing yes. is, is I've heard that here locally our Mormons have kept meeting. That, I, they didn't, that they would, didn't do anything. That would be strange because they're top down. The the, uh, the reports that we've gotten, I, I actually visited, but that was that's the report that we've gotten is that they were like they didn't even stop meeting. Yeah, top uh, top down because they they've they they, they closed their temples. Yeah, they weren't wow. even doing they weren't even doing the endowments. Well, Hope gave us something good. So so all I heard really there in that first couple minutes <laughs> that you were talking was you were a pastor's kid. Yes. Oh, yes. Really? Oh, yes. Um, um, some of my earliest memories are flannel board and uh, Sunday school. Yeah. And uh, the story is the Bible and my first, my first, my first Bibles. I still own all of them. Uh-huh. And uh, memorizing scripture. And I was blessed. Uh, the Lord was very, very gracious to me at a very, very young age. I'm one of the youngest people that I really think that I was converted at a very, very young age. Wow. And yeah. And then I, I, now there were times in my life yeah. where you wouldn't have really been able to notice, mm-hmm. even though I was always the kid, you know, I was class valedictorian in my junior high school class, class valedictorian in my high school class, never got to be, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. I was that guy. Uh-huh. Okay. So don't throw things, but, but still 
there were times during there there where I was sent to the I was sent to the principal's office in fourth grade mm-hmm. for passing out Jack Chick tracks on the playground. Mm. Go now, baptize your kids if you have children. <laughs> Sorry, I just I, my yeah, I feel like hit that button. Slipped. Slipped. Yeah, yeah. That was the thing. I watched your arm move forward. Yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> one specific. It was stuff. a full body slip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, you, you know what's ironic? You remember Jack Chick tracks? Yeah, don't you? yeah, yeah. Okay, absolutely. The cartoon tracks. Yep. You know, this yeah. is your life and stuff like that. I'd explain them to my kids one time. But there was one left <clears throat> in an outhouse <laughs> on our camping trip. Yeah, and yeah. My my son was like, Dad, what is this? Mm-hmm. I was like, This is. A thing called a jack. Millions and millions and millions. Of, and they weren't all bad either. No. But the amazing thing is, having been sent to the principal, you know what I did? I was in fourth grade. I had never been sent to the principal. I had never gotten a spanking. Uh-huh. I was the good kid, okay? My, I asked my dad once, how did you instill in me a fear of ever making you and mom ashamed of me? And he looked at me and said, I have no earthly idea. <laughs> because, <laughs> because once I had kids, I wanted to figure out how to do that. Because I can't tell you how many times in my life that kept me from doing stupid things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I had never even gotten a spanking at school. I walk into the principal's office. I've been sent there because my teacher's mad because I'm passing out tracks on the playground. So you know what I did? I walked up to the principal and gave him a track. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he said, well, you can't force anyone to take it. I was one of the littlest guys in, the, in my class. <laughs> so was, I'm, I'm not sure how I could force anybody. But you know the amazing thing is? I lived to see the day where Jack Chick identified me as the Antichrist. Oh, wow. Wow. Because Jack Chick was King James only. Oh. All the way. <laughs> okay. Wow. And so because I wrote a book on that subject, I became the Antichrist. That's so, all it took, huh? So at, at, well, uh, Alberto Rivera, I'm not sure if you know that name, but yeah. he was one of, he was the alleged uh, former priest that Jack Chick really made. He was about that tall. And I went and listened to him speak one night at a oneness Pentecostal church. I didn't know why he was at a non-Trinitarian church. Mm. Um, but uh, he looked at the Bible that I was carrying and said, you're going to hell. Just because of that. Just oh. because of the... Oh, my trans- gosh. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. I, I got I a follow-up. experience. I got a follow-up <laughs> question. Mm-hmm. Um, Are we ever getting back to the Great just, Reset? Let me, we're we're going to get that as third segment. Eventually. Okay, right. um, just hold that Let me see if I can an- ask this question correctly. Yes. Um, what... Would thou hast dust done differently? I'm doing a King James style. <laughs> really? I'm not even going to comment on that. that. Never mind. Forget it. What would have you done differently knowing uh, where we're at now? So, you know, kind of reflecting. I would have, well, there's, there's a lot of things I look back. Um, and I'm, again, very thankful for Christian upbringing. But I was, not, uh, I was not challenged to think about such issues as Christian worldview like we are today. Mm-hmm. I would have had more kids. Mm-hmm. Um, would have I baptized. Uh, uh, <clears throat> upon the prof- profession of faith, like the apostles, I would have, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so um, I would have I, – I, I did, and it wasn't because I saw what was coming, but, but Summer will tell you some of her earliest memories – are sitting in the back of the car while I'm driving, and they had these little whiteboards. And we're doing Christian worldview lessons mm-hmm. while driving around Phoenix on little whiteboards. And um, it's interesting because uh, one day we're driving home from, from, from church, and from the back seat, Summer's voice comes across and says, I want to go to Cortez. And Cortez is the local public high school. We had them in Christian school. And we said, well, why? And she said, I like my unbelievers straight up. <laughs> sounds like, like your granddaughter oh, and we're and we're like we're like, like my scotch i just like and we're, and we're like no ice what, what do you what do you mean he says i only know two christians at my christian school wow wow and and she had heard all the stories that i had gone through 
fighting for my faith mm. in a public school right? and fighting against, uh, fighting the creation evolution issue and the whole nine yards. And she's like, I'd, I'd rather have my, my unbelievers straight up. And um, so she, she ended up graduating from, from Cortez. And I'm not going to take our time to, to go through. You'll have to ask her, but she had some really formative experiences, um, really apologetically, dealing with Christian worldview issues there in the public high school. I don't think you could do that anymore, obviously, <laughs> but she was probably right at the very end of where you could actually still, do that and mm. still had the freedom to do some of the things she was allowed to do at that particular point wow. in time. So uh, in, my, in the circles that I grew up in, we, I, when I was a young person, I never even heard of homeschooling, did not even know it was a possibility, mm-hmm. seriously. Mm-hmm. Wow. We knew there were Christian schools, but uh, those were just for the people who had a lot of money and, and stuff like that. Um, so I, I would now, obviously everything would have to be different because of the situation that we're in. Um, but I would be much more conscious of, of worldview issues. And I just look back and I just recognize that most people my age, we were not at war with the world. Mm-hmm. We were comfortable. Yep. Um, we thought we had inalienable freedoms that would never be taken away mm-hmm. from us. We took them for granted. Uh, as such, when, for example, the homosexual movement hit, uh, people from my background, you didn't talk about stuff like that. Yep. And that meant people who had been in the church most of their lives had no meaningful, positive sexual ethic at all. You're doing a whole thing on the politics of sex. Yeah. Um, and, the, still the, the, and, the, and it's still hard. And still hard to get Christians to understand the importance yep. of it. But the background we had, you would just be embarrassed. You wouldn't. Mm. It's like, you don't talk about stuff like that. Yep. Mm. And so we had never even thought these things through. I graduated from my first seminary with a master's degree. I could not have told you the six primary texts on the subject of homosexuality in the Bible. And, I, and I'm not sure most Christians feel comfortable wow. right now yeah. See, Doc, answering that question. That's really interesting because, you know, when, by the time, so I found you because I was in the middle, in my community at the time, I was over in North Minneapolis, Islam had been infiltrating inside of the black community to, you know, Nation of Islam particularly was the kind of the gateway drug. Mm. And then you got in from there on out, which was kind of weird because they're kind of a cult. They're a cult even from the, from the <laughs> yeah, Muslim yeah. perspective. Yeah. Right. So, but they were, but they had a common em- enemy in the community, which was Christianity right. that they tried to team up with. But and so when I, there wasn't a whole lot of apologetics in my brand of Christianity around me that was dealing with Islam mm-hmm. or any subject for that matter. So you were able to cross over from kind of that reformed Baptist culture into the charismatic culture. And so I found you because I was looking for how do you deal with Islam and all these, how do you answer the questions? And so between you and Matt Slick, that was my introduction into apologetics. And when I got into apologetics, I found a whole world that told me how to use the Bible as a weapon, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I was like, oh, and, and for 20 years, I just started saturating myself with that type of content. But now when I look at that and I look past the last 20 years, our apologetics have absolutely been weak while we've been calling it worldview stuff. Mm-hmm. It, where do we drop the ball with apologetics not actually getting to worldview stuff? Well, b- because that, that requires you to be making changes in how you live your life and how you worship in your church mm. and how the word is being handled in your church. And that's uncomfortable for people. As long as you can keep the apologetics out there. Yeah. Mm, that's but good, you see, yeah. I learned a long time ago, apologetics has to start in the home, in the church. Mm. Uh, I think, you know, you know my fellow elders. You know uh, Jeff and, and Luke and Zach. And, yeah. And we obviously try to inculcate the methodologies of proper handling of the Word of God by how we preach 
and how we teach in the church. Mm -hmm. And that then lays the foundation for you to go out and make those applications. And you can see that the the, the Mormon is misusing this text of Scripture because you've seen how to do it properly in the context of the Christian faith and in the worship of the church and things like that. So, see, apologetics, I think the the Muslims have one thing that's right. Do you know what dawah is? Mm -hmm. Dawah is the, is the Arabic term they use for calling to Islam, so what we would call evangelism, but also defending Islam against attacks. So from their perspective, evangelism and apologetics are the same thing. Mm-hmm. And in essence, they're right, mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. th- there, there has to be that element of it. They, and since they're normally, outside of the Muslim world, in the minority, they really see how that's important, that you have to have that two-pronged attack. Mm-hmm. And the church, when I was young, they didn't see any, any need for any of that. I remember we started doing classes on how to reach Mormons. Uh, the people in our Southern Baptist Church are looking at us like, well, th- those folks are just fine. Don't, don't worry about them. You know, oh. the, you know, you know oh, wow. they, just, they just could not see the idea why you would want to reach out to someone like that. I, I want to I go back to what you said at the very first as you answered yeah, Knox's yeah. question, that um, the requirement for it to really be effective is for you to change. Like, it's not only it not only has to be have, have to be taught and preached in your home in the church, but then also, also lived, and and the whole idea of of apologetics and evangelism being roughly the same thing, two sides of the same coin, is that you're calling people in. Like not only are you proclaiming the truth, but you're living the truth, right. and so that you have you have something to invite them into. The reason why this is true, watch, it's it's being lived out here in my marriage, in my with with my kids, with my church community. This is the truth incarnate. Right. Come uh-huh. taste, and, and, taste and, and see. Come see it. And, uh, something I've said to people, especially as I'm trained trained to bring them up to Salt Lake City and stuff like that. As I said, I'd rather have five people with me in Salt Lake City who know the gospel and can present the whole counsel of God to someone than 50 people who can rip and shred Joseph Smith but have nothing positive to give mm-hmm. in his place. That was the real problem with apologetics as I saw it when I first started, yeah. was it was one-sided, nuke the other side and use any standard that works, yeah. including argumentation that if turned around... Right would refute your own position. I can't do that. I have to be consistent. That means there's all sorts of really popular arguments that people use in apologetics, and you don't hear me using them. And if you ask me why, it's because I know that if you turn it around, because I do debates. A lot of these people would never engage these people. I did a radio program once on KTKK Radio in Salt Lake City. Okay, Is it racist? Salt, Salt Lake KTKK. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm KTKK. I'm trained different it's, way. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Worldview issue there. But KTKK, <laughs> the, so it's in Salt Lake City, call in. The host is a Mormon attorney okay. with two BYU professors okay. against me. Oh. That's the kind of stuff we went up there and were doing for years. Wow. And if, if you are using double standards... In your argumentation, they will hand you your head on a platter. Yeah. Right. Mm. And so that has just been absolutely important for us. And that then just naturally, once I started preaching and teaching, led into a recognition, man, you've got to be consistent all the way along. You just, yeah. that's the only way to honor God. Did, did so Post- why are you in Presbyterian then? <laughs> be consistent, like, like all there's the way. A, there's a few, all few the debates way on that subject. We'll let you are you done? Uh, so, did, so honestly, though, what the question is, so then post-millennialism just kind of came right alongside that naturally as you're, as you're working that it world. It came along. Well, it, uh, Doug and I are going to be talking about this, I think, um, on a sweater vest dialogue. We're going to be recording later. We got it a few first. Hours. You, you, All right. You got to get it first. 
Um, obviously, you know that uh, Jeff and, and Luke and Zach are, are posties. And so uh, posties? When, I, when I come along, um, I'm hearing this. I'm hearing Jeff preaching out of uh, Matthew 24 and dealing with all sorts of issues like this. But I'll tell you what, what pushed me over the edge. Other than, I'll be very, very honest, um, certain uh, films fe- featuring certain people who live up here um, and, and things like that that were extremely helpful. Fundamentally, here's when people say, why? Why did you make that move? Why are you committed to this? I came to the conclusion that you need to start at the high-level order of theological truth and move downward, allowing those high first-order things to define what comes to the next level, the next level, the next level, and the next level. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, most eschatology is done from down here, looking at what's happening in the newspaper, current events, whatever it might be, and trying to put something to build up this direction. Yeah. Fundamentally, I recognize that as a Reformed person, I believe that God can accomplish whatever God chooses to accomplish. He, and when you think about the prophecies of the coming of the Messiah 700 years before Christ, you've got Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 9. You got, God is in control. He can do what, what he wants in history, and he will accomplish what he says he's going to do in history. And so I started looking at the text that talk about the relationship between the Father and the Son and their intentions in creation itself. And I see these conversations in Psalm 2 and Psalm 110. And I look at 1 Corinthians 15 and the last enemy. Christ must reign until every enemy is put under his feet. And I start seeing that these are are threads and themes that are are pan-canonical. They're from beginning to end. And everything else descends down from them. Mm -hmm. Rather than trying to build up arguments to a point... These are the high-level things, and you let them function as the framework that then orders everything down below it. So that, for me, was just, I went through Isaiah 40, I went through uh, Psalm 2, I went through the 110th Psalm. If you saw the, the sermon that I preached on, mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. announcing my, my orientation. The coming there. out party. <laughs> coming out party. <laughs> coming out of the closet. And that's, that's basically what I was saying. I wasn't yeah. claiming to have an answer to every question that can be yeah. uh, asked about yeah. details down at the bottom mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. But what I was saying is this seems to be really central to what the Father and the Son are doing, and yeah. I don't see people using that to create their eschatology mm. for some reason. Right. Jesus is king, and everything flows so, down from there. When we come back, so about the Great Reset. Because <laughs> I know. Uh, well, I thought, I thought the Great Reset was Jesus ruling until all of his enemies hey, are put beneath his feet. That'll don't be a blow reset. it. Don't blow it <laughs> oh, yet. Oh, what sorry. are you doing? Sorry. More cross politics with Dr. James White when we come back. You spoiled the whole ending of the show. I know. Ruined it. Hi, I'm Robert Borton, CEO of Classical Conversations. Our most precious commodity is time. No one has ever lied on their deathbed wishing they had spent more time making money. They all wish they had spent more time creating a legacy. Our modern education system steals that legacy, steals that time from our children. That's why I'm passionate about homeschooling. That's why at Classical Conversations, we want to give you more time to create that legacy, follow your passions, and glorify God. Visit classicalconversations.com for more information. Uh Uh-oh. It's that time. Uh Uh-oh. We're going to talk the Great Reset. we got to get out some Eduardo. So, Doc, how much have you changed? Are we doing any of this with you? What kind of Baptist are you? (laughs) Still pretty Baptist. (laughs) If I'm going to be doing any walking or driving, no, no thanks. I do both. 
give me his. <laughs> <laughs> you, you already mentioned how much trouble he had just you know, doing the camper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he rolls up to my house with this sweet Chevy truck, and on the side Excuse it says me, it's Texas. A, it's a GMC. GMC. It says Texas. On the side of his truck. Texas edition. Mm. And Texas edition. <laughs> GMC has his own Texas edition truck, and he rolls up with it. And yeah. I was like, oh, this dude can back up. You know, he put that on Excuse like, me. like a mile <laughs> before he got to your house. Excuse me. I hit it spot on every time, didn't I? Eventually. No, 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 no. Every single time. you got to admit it. We just couldn't understand what was going on with it. So, anyways, great reset, huh? Yeah. What, what is the great yeah, reset? Have you been okay. paying attention to this? I have. I have because I was told it was coming before it became a big thing. And it is, it is a fundamental reorganization of the global economy and the global political uh, alignments. By who? By the global elites who are uh, in control, not so much of government as they are the major massive global corporations. Okay. And then NGOs like World Health Organization, World Economic Forum. So are we talking um, about like Bill Gates? Yes. Like this, this, this kind of level and people? But, but yes. Elon Musk. But those guys? Be, uh, I'm not sure about him, but, okay. but especially certain extremely wealthy Chinese interests ah, okay. uh, that have tremendous power, tremendous power. And what they want to do is they want to break down national borders. Uh, nationalism is the, is the terrible, horrible thing from their perspective. Because Causing you wars and things like that. Well, th 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 that's what they're saying it, it causes. Right, right. In, in reality, I think once you destroy borders, you're going to be creating a whole lot more of that type of stuff. But right, right. Uh, the, the point is it is to, it is to break down Western society to break down basically the remnants of any type of theistic Christian understanding of the world, man, morals, and to move toward a technocratic totalitarianism that can allow a very small elite to control the entire global population, which then is basically placed in a position of servitude. And when you see what's going on... Hey, when could you, you hear me that foil back there? Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> it's, on the, it's on the shelf. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you go ahead and do that, but mm -hmm. then just wrap it around yourself. I'm going to wrap this whole they're studio gonna, they're in gonna, here. Because they're, they're, sticking, they're sticking you in the oven to cook you. Uh, that's, that's what they're up to. And we're seeing it happening all around us. We, 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 th think about the explosion of debt represented by what Washington has done just over the past number yeah. of months, it's even under Trump. Oh, but yeah. now it's yeah. just sort of like, yeah. you can't even run the printing presses fast enough to, right. to, to spend this kind of money. Well, what was, what would be the intention of this? You want to destroy the middle glass because they're the people who have political ideas and the ability to do something about it. Mm. You want to make everyone dependent upon the government. So in, in essence, enslave them, mm -hmm. Put them in, put them in complete, complete mm -hmm. reliance upon the government. Then you're not going to be pushing back against them when they say do this, that, and the other mm -hmm. thing. And you've established control. And, and and most Americans are sitting back and going, "I really am so concerned about my 401k. I just need to do whatever it takes to hold it all together. That. Hold it all together." And so, so with that being the case, there's so much I want to ask about that. But kid, right now we're in the middle of it. So 2020 happens. COVID comes in. From China, and it's true. <laughs> and here we are in the situation where things that we thought we would never say, like a year ago, if we would have told people in March that a year and a half from now you will have to have a passport to be able to go outside, a vaccine passport, uh, it, 
Yeah, but it's not going to stop six. there. It's no. not going <laughs> to. People are arguing about the vaccine passport, but the vaccine passport isn't going to be stuck with vaccines. It's going to be stuck right. with any kind of passport they want to experience any okay. sort of life. Yeah, have any of you guys read? Um, just this, like lockdowns weren't just for lockdowns, right? It was. Have, a, have you read this perfect day? No. Eleven. No. no. Okay, I'm assigning it to you. Okay. I am. I am a professor, so I get to assign oh, yeah. things no, to no. you. Okay. Uh, so Mark Levin. Uh, Ira Levin. Uh, okay. 1970, I believe it is. It's not a Christian book, so be prepared. Well, I'm out. Um, but the uh, the astonishing thing about, and again, the same guy. Uh, uh, chocolate that uh, you and I both know knew about this stuff coming. He's the one that told me about this book. Yeah, yeah. It is like 1984. It's like like Brave New World. Yeah, but it's even more accurate because it is really focused upon the regular treatment mm-hmm. that everyone is supposed to have that helps to keep them very pleased and happy with the position they've been put in by. This massive computer, which we find out later, well, I won't ruin it completely, isn't actually a massive computer. But it is the utilization of pharmaceuticals you know, to control the society and to create a mindset that says, I'm doing what's right for everyone around me. I'm showing love for right. everyone around me by doing this. You know, Doc, here's something I've been thinking about. You know, when I've, I've had friends who've really been who've suffered from depression, right? And so what you're saying really connects with me because... As those friends have suffered from depression, there's all kinds of ways that uh, if we have our biblical anthropology, we know how to deal with some of these things. The way the world has dealt with it has been a form of medication Mm -hmm. to keep them in a particular state so that they don't have to operate and they can feel comfortable with being where they're at. And they they never deal with the real problems that's causing this, right? The underlying problems, but it's just medication that gets you into a particular state. And my friend who was going through this, he's like, I know how I'm supposed to feel, and I don't feel the way that is normal, right? Mm-hmm. I don't hurt. I don't have emotions. I, you know, I'm numb, right? Those things. Mm-hmm. And so for him, he had to figure out a way to wean himself off of that and actually start dealing with his sin, right, <laughs> which right. was actually underneath it. Right. But he had to keep going back to them for the, that relief. And if he wasn't on it, then everything was wrong. Oh, what's going on? Oh, you're not taking your meds? Oh, okay, let's get him. Hey, we can strap him in now because he's not taking his meds. We can control him because he's not taking his meds. And everything that's going wrong in his life is because he's not obeying us. And it's funny to see that kind of application starting to apply to right. vaccines. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so th- that's really interesting to me. So there's two kind of attitudes that I've seen with this. I've seen people who are aware of what's going on, and they absolutely freak out. Mm-hmm. They just freak out because they see it and they don't think that this thing could ever be stopped did you catch our right. midweek fix by any chance this week yeah i was on the road yeah because yeah. that was that was uh that was special it was exciting it, it was it was it was it was actually um uh what's clay clark clay clark um he's doing some really cool stuff with business but he he jumped in with running the like the whole reset thing and tying it to 666. 666 and the Mark, Mark of the, the Beast and, and everything. The coronavirus patent, 060606. Yeah. I heard about that. Yeah. But, yeah. but it was, you know, it was, but it's definitely like one of those, like he sees it, you know, disagree on some of the eschatology right. sort of things, but definitely, I mean, he came back around at the end and yeah, said, yeah. you know, now we don't live under a, a spirit of fear um, and so on, but the way that it was, it, yeah. it's often presented it would be the sort of thing where it's, you know, freak, freak out. Yeah, it's freak out. And so they're, it's like, they're, you know, this is a conspiracy. It's satanic. You know, and there's sh- nothing we can do about it. Like, there's yeah, right. absolutely no way to be able to defeat this thing. And yet, you know, there's another group who don't see anything. So they look at what's happening with the SBC. 
They think that that's nothing. They see. I'm sorry. The Mount Rushmore of Christianity back in the day was John Piper, John MacArthur, uh, uh, R.C. Sproul, Doug Wilson, Moeller. He got kicked out. (laughs) They didn't know it. They didn't know it. And thankfully so. Thankfully so. I think that was a blessing. But but there was this this Mount Rushmore that just kind of separated and broke. Um, and we saw that kind yeah. of that that fraction happen um, over this woke stuff, mm-hmm. right? And so it's it, you got that, and then you got the SBC dealing with critical race theory, and then all of a sudden you got to deal with government schools, and it's it's this whole upheaval that we would have never seen in Christendom twenty years ago. And so, you know, you know, what, you know what it produces in me. I'll be honest with you, I feel schizophrenic. I've said this, I feel schizophrenic. I wake up in the morning and I want to continue living the life that I've lived most of my life. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I want, to, I want to get on my bike. I want to go do a 50-mile bike ride. And I want to listen to the stuff I like to listen to while I'm on my rides, which does include you guys. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> I, listened, I listened to you. I listened. I remember very clearly when you had the Presbyterian guy on that eventually came out as a homosexual. Greg Johnson. Greg Johnson. Okay. Yep. The first time you had him on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember I was riding across Happy Valley Road in the complete darkness of about 3.30 in the morning, listening wow. to you firing shots at him, wondering when he was going to hang up on you. So I, I do. I, <laughs> wow. I, I, that I, scares I, me. Okay, wow. so, so wow. be careful. I am listening. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to change everything about this. I want to so still live that life. Yeah. Right, and right. there aren't any cops breaking down my door yet. So Just that's, that's, that, yeah, that's that part of my life. But then I start reading the news and I start seeing what's going on with the regime. By the way, I do not refer to the Biden administration. From the beginning, I've said the Biden regime. An administration administers pre-existing law. These people don't care about pre-existing law, so I call them a regime. I just think we all should start doing that because the other is too respectful. We we call him resident Biden. Well, I do do realize (laughs) that you call him resident Biden. Do we? but (laughs) But the point is... I also see what's happening, and I see the conflict between the two. Yeah. The, the one's not going to be able to continue if the other comes into yeah. full uh-huh. control. Right. And which world am I supposed to live in? That is, that is a, I'm, I'm admitting right now that's a challenge I have not yet fully come to understand exactly but how to do. How does your post-millennialism, with, with what you understand, influence that particular decision? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. One thing that I, I do want to learn from you guys uh, this weekend I'm Scottish, and so Scottish people think the world's going to end all the time. You don't drink? Uh, well, know. Uh, know. you know. Um, what kind of Scott are so, you? Well, but a whole lot more of one than you are. Um, <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> I don't know. Adoption is a big thing. I, I, don't think, I don't think I've ever seen you in a kilt and don't want to. So, um, but the, 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 the point is, I, want, I do believe, obviously, that if it is Christ's intention to bring this nation uh, to his, its knees yeah. and to confession of his lordship that he can do that at any time he wants to. And I want to be used to do that. Amen. Yeah. I get Amen. it. I want that for my grandchildren. Yes. But I also am a church history professor. Yeah. First class I taught was church history. And if I say 1347 to 1351, what do you think of? Black, black well, innocent, innocent. Exactly. Exactly. 1347, between 1347 and 1351, over half the people living in Europe died. They were gone. Sometimes within 12 hours. There was a form of the plague that they actually thought was communicated by looking at someone because it could kill you in 12 
hours. Mm. Okay, we're not talking COVID here. We're talking right. a real plague, yeah. all right? If you lived in 1348, is there anything in the book of Revelation you couldn't find a parallel to at that oh, point? I mean, we, it's done. I mean, uh, yep. uh, Tim LaHaye would have been a billion seller at that point yeah, in, yeah, in, in yeah. that context. And so I look at that, and I would have had a very pessimistic view of the future at that point. Mm-hmm. But Spurgeon hadn't been born yet, and Luther hadn't been born, and Calvin hadn't yet right. been born. And think of all the wonderful things that have happened in the church right. since those deep, 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 deep dark days. Mm-hmm. And so I look at the situation we're in, and here's let me let me throw it out to you guys who've been in the, in this view longer than I have. What if it's God's will? What is the what is the greatest enemy, in your opinion, that has stood up against? the claims of Christ, since the resurrection, would it not be secular humanism? I mean, even the, even the Romans at least were theists. They at least had some type of religious concept. We are literally talking about people who think we are ugly bags of mostly water, that, that, that we are wet robots, and there is no God, there is no day of judgment, there is no resurrection, there is no meaning to human life, whatsoever. There, can you have a greater denial of what Christ taught than what you have in secular humanism? I don't know that you can. Would you put Gnosticism so, inside of that secular humanism? No, no. Gnosticism yeah. was extremely religious in its orientation. Yeah. It had a whacked out view yeah, of, of, the, of mysticism, but, but no. It'll know you to sleep. But no, it depends on which Gnosticism you're talking but about. But they still believe here's, in the transcendent. Exactly. But yeah. so, so here's the point. What if that's the greatest enemy and it's going to take the utter destruction of Western society to become the watchword that says, because what does Doug say? We're in the early church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What if we look back upon, well, how long did the Soviet Union last? 70 years. What if it's 140 years? Mm -hmm. What if it's 210 years? Think of the technology Mm -hmm. they have now. What could Mm -hmm. the Soviets have done with drones and satellites? A little scary, isn't it? Oh, man. But what if... Christ crushes this in such a way that it becomes the greatest historical demonstration of his ability to put every enemy under his feet. Now, it's not going to be enjoyable while it happens. Got it. You got it. 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 You got it. It is not going to be enjoyable while it happens. But what if that's the case? See, that's what, that's what it's opened up for me is that, is that I'm looking at the, at the authorities who now have levels of technology that they've never had before. Yeah. They can, f- at least under the Soviet Union, you could go hide in the woods and have church. Yeah. You can't do that with satellites. You can't mm-hmm. do that with drones. They can follow you everywhere. I don't have the answers as to how we're going to do church if the worst case scenario happens. But I am confident of this, that it cannot stand, first of all, the technology could prop it up for a long time, but it cannot stand. Mm-hmm. And when it falls, mm. great is going to be its fall. And my focus is, how do I preach the truth through that mess to the generations that need to hear it? How mm. do I say it? That's what I'm, that's, mm. that's what I'm focused on. You know, well, I think for, for me, go ahead, Doug. Um, just like the starting point Uh-oh. in this in this conversation. I'll slick with it. <laughs> the starting point for me in this conversation is the greatest enemy is me first. See, why are you taking, great, my, why are you taking my answers? The greatest, uh, go, I, ahead, I go, mean, ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. The, the greatest enemy is my heart. And, and once I get that down, I, I think I can rightly uh, and, uh, know the solution. Once I, once I understand that I'm the greatest enemy and I need Jesus, then I can rightly, I think, kind of orient myself 
to better understanding, okay, where, where are the enemies now? I mean, the reason why we're in this mess um, uh, currently is because we've rejected. We think we're generally, genuinely or generally good. Mm-hmm. We think we're okay. We're a good society. We all have two cars, a house, so air conditioner, whatever. And kind of to your apathy mm-hmm. point earlier is we've grown up in this world where um, – We love our stuff. We love our stuff. Mm. We got – I mean, my kids are going to grow up with the internet. I remember a time when there was no internet. I remember. <laughs> yes, that's how old I am. Do you, do you wow. remember a time when there was no internet? I, I remember there was you know, no cable TV. Uh, you know, and and that uh, you know we got a thousand uh, servants on our phone serving us right now uh, on our phone. And Wal- Walmart Walmart delivers to our door now. You know, we got yeah. we got a servant at Walmart to deliver to my our door. And so we're growing up in this great blessing all around us, and and no one thinks that they are wicked no one thinks that they need jesus no one thinks so that's um, you know toby brought this up at our last conference is like you know there's a tyrant in everybody's heart mm-hmm. and we're here we're facing all these tyrants because we never dealt with the tyrants in the church you know that that's kind of my thought has been on this responding to that a little bit has been um do you remember the movie um zorro the first zorro mm. i'm a christian i don't watch movies i'm sorry oh, no oh wow <laughs> you don't like wow. stories <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> in the first Zaro, the old Zaro gets kind of kicked out, loses his house, and he finds a new Zaro and starts training him. And in his training room, he has a circle. And he the the the, the new Zaro wants to go and fight yeah. the guy who took his brother's life. Mm-hmm. And the old Zaro kept telling him that's not in your circle yet. That's not in your circle yet. And he trained him for what was in his circle. And the things that I have, and this goes back to responsibility and duty as an individual. Until God puts things that are in my circle to operate and do, that while I see the danger of that, my training ground, my fight, the things that God has given me, the duties right here are the things that I need to master. And that has been what we have let go. So as it relates to my wife, do I love her in such a way that the beauty of that is sense in my community? Have I taken my kids and making sure that they love the God that I love? Do I love God's law? Do I devote myself to the work of of hard work and prosperous with what I do with my hands? You know, what am I doing within my circle? Because when it comes time to take battle and go to my enemy, the real fight, the thing that's pushing against me, I'm not going to have the skill. David trained with lions and bears before he got to Goliath. Oh my. And it's not that we don't know there's a Goliath there. We see that and we want to run to it, but we're not capable Last 30 years, we haven't been building our skills and our weaponry with our hands. They haven't been learning to do battle so that when that comes in, we'll know how to operate. And I've, I see that even in my own self. All these things going on around and, and people are having a problem changing diapers. That's right. <laughs> well, well, let me tell you, this is, the sermon you know I mean? I, this is the sermon I've been preaching to myself. And I have to keep preaching to myself because I know I have yet to fully obey it. Mm-hmm. It's real simple. There's a text in 1 John. It says, love not things of the world. If you love the things of the world, what? The love of the Father is not, not in you. you. What is the only power, the only power that this world has over you is if you love the things of the world. Because what can the world take from you? Right. Only the world's things. Right. So if I love the things of the world, they have ultimate power over me. Right. But if I only love the things of God and I don't love the things of the world, they have absolutely no power over me whatsoever. So I sit back and I, guys, in front of everybody, there's stuff that I own that I love. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't want it to be taken away from me. That means they have power over me. Right. And how do we encourage one another to enjoy and use as a yeah. steward the things that God gives us 
without it becoming the means by which the world can then have power over us and control us. Yeah, part we of it for me, though, has loves. been, um, what'd you say? We want to love what God loves, hate what he hates. No, but yeah. I think part of it, too, though, I think we've done a bad job of defining what belongs to God and what belongs to the world. I think that we have not defined those categories well enough so that um, marriage belongs to God. They don't get marriage. Right. <laughs> right? right. They don't get that. Right. There's, um, I, I was talking to John Brandy, comedy. They didn't come up with comedy. Right. They don't get comedy. That belongs to God. And so the first thing I want to start doing is had a sifting party. God's. All this stuff since he's spoken into existence, the world. <laughs> you right. know, and so what we've done, though, is relinquished those things that belong or we haven't appreciated them rightly in the context of who they belong to. And so, well, everything, everything belongs to God. Right. We, we, we get that. But we have an order of passions. Often, right. How often are our hearts set upon the continued possession? Yes. Of that which God has given to us and not trusting him that when it's time for it to go. It's time for it to go. Yeah. Well, you actually, at that point, you use your resources for the purpose of the kingdom. Right. That's, that's what those things are there for. These right. things are seed. I'm taking Toby's sermon now. <laughs> these things. <laughs> Where's your organ? <laughs> I got it right here. You know, these things are seed that God has given us to be able to use to bless and for the expansion of the kingdom. And I don't think we're, I think you're right about that. We're not seeing those things like that. We have a possession in one sense that we're like, I don't want to do this. I want to keep it instead of like giving it. It goes out. It's for, it's for a, the kingdom, Lord. Whatever you, however you want to use it. It's amazing to me that like we're in the most pro- prosperous country in the history of the world, and Christians can't spread the gospel. Christians have an impotent impact on our culture. You know, one of the things I, I think what David was saying was so important. In you know, God has um, given the church an easy play to run. <laughs> uh, I mean, you don't even. Let's take evangelism out. The church is called evangelize. The gift of evangelism is in the church, Ephesians 4. Um, but let's take evangelism out of the equation for a moment. And all the church has to do is just raise their kids in knowledge, fear of the Lord. And we got. I thought 60, you said you were taking evangelism out of it. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> as people would understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and, and here we are. The world has boarded 60 billion million babies in America. And, of course, some of those are Christian women and men have done that. Um, but they've killed off their children. They have maybe 1.7 kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, Lower than that now. Lower than that now, whatever whatever it is. And all we have to do is have faithful kids and raise them in the church and all for the Lord and evangelize them. And we can't do that. Like because we, th- we love the things, things of, of the, the world. world. Yeah. The, Ouch. As I think about history, I think about you start with biblical history and then work your way down through history. I mean, when God is on the move, we frequently are, we don't see it. And that's, I mean, that part of, you know, I think your what if is absolutely possible. You know, maybe this is a couple hundred years of, of darkness and we're a bunch of seed that goes into the ground and then it bursts up. Mm-hmm. That's totally possible. That's, that's totally possible. At the same time, I think at the point, all through, I mean, you go back to the Black Plague, whatever, you go back to right before the Reformation, go back to the persecution of the Christians in the early church. And at every point at which you thought, um, this is it. It couldn't get worse. I mean, it's, it's dark, it's black, it's bleak, we're on the run. And God has something else up his sleeve. I mean, we, you know, in 300 years, you have the proclamation of um, the, you know, Christianity in the Roman Empire. You know, on the you know a bunch of Christians lost their lives for that, but you know who would have 
dreamed of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire at the time of Jesus yeah. proclaiming Christ king. In 300 um, years. Who, yeah. you know, who would have thought of monasteries all over Europe you know, with various distortions on the gospel, but nevertheless bringing the word of God to barbaric tribes. Yeah. Who who would have thought on in, in the darkness of you know the Roman Catholic superstitions, the Black Plague, and everything else? Um, God's raising up an angry German monk, um, All right. All right. And, and he's going to be nailing theses to the door, and and the whole Europe is going to go up in flames of the gospel. Mm-hmm. I mean, who would have thought Whitfield? Who would have thought? Yeah, um, that's right. You know, and, and so yes. God can do what he wants to do. And at the same time, I look at the story and I think, yeah, there's some really dark moments. Post-millennialism doesn't mean that there's no dark moments. But we serve the God of resurrection. Mm -hmm. And he he loves to do that play. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's getting dark. And so a whole bunch of Christians should be sitting on the edge of their seats. I know the story. Thinking (laughs) it it may not be be right now. It may not be this minute. It may not be in five years. I don't know. But I know this play, mm-hmm. and and we're coming. I mean, it's 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 the play. It's the theme of the whole story is death and resurrection. But which of the eschatologies will continue to give hope if it is seventy years or if it is a hundred years? Because for a lot of folks, if you're if you're saying we lose down here, there's nothing to look forward to. There's no reason. That, that's one of the things that Doug said that just struck me when I was thinking all these things through. No one ever thinks about their great-great-grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you're thinking about your great-great-grandchildren, what perspective is going to keep you moving forward to communicate those truths to them, to safeguard those truths mm-hmm. to them? That's, right. That was part of mm-hmm. where I was going. Part, part, of, part of all this, too, is just keep in mind that you've got um, – Christians like Christianity is blowing up in China. That's right. Oh, in Africa, Christianity is blowing up in in Africa. There are now more missionaries going from Africa and the Far East to the West than going the other direction, which is really sad in one respect. And on the other hand, glorious. Yeah. Um, And it's not perfect. There's strains of it that are, you know, whacked and and funky, but nevertheless, that's never been before um, Christianity. (laughs) God, God loves to tell the story this way because fundamentally what he's doing is he's telling the story in such a way that every knee bows and every tongue confesses that he was Lord, that he did it. Not because we got our act together, not because we figured out the, just the perfect, you know, apologetic move or the the perfect ministry or the perfect church or the perfect family. It was, it was, he's bringing honor to himself, to his own name. And he's going to do it that way. And that's what he's doing. The post mill question is really answering is Jesus King. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Mm. Is Jesus king or is he not? Is he is he king over heaven and earth? Right. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people say, of course he's yeah, king, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. then right. limit where that authority, right. the extent of that authority right. and how it's expressed. Yeah. Dr. White, I just got to tell you, I appreciate you being here, man. It's yeah. a blessing to have been you. Great. Yeah, man. Uh, Thanks for joining us. There was yeah. a kid in Minneapolis in his room finding a... Well, I was born, you know. Minneapolis? Yeah. I knew I liked you North, for a North, reason. North Memorial Hospital? He's got a truck from ah. Texas. I found your stuff. <laughs> I heard about this. And, and on a website, aomen.org, and I surfed it forever, learned about Islam, and now I'm sitting here talking to you. That's it's an amazing story. Great to be here. Great, yeah, great to meet you. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until next week, love God with all your heart. So don't laugh at me. <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic. We did not design a cookie-cutter curriculum meant to chop students into appropriately shaped submissives or snowflakes for the secular zeitgeist. 
We designed our curriculum the way we did because we want our graduates to be equipped to stand courageously against that destructive zeitgeist and to honor their maker and how they, body, mind, and soul, battle to save their communities and the entire Western world from our current diseased insanity. New St. Andrews College is not in the business of rubber stamping graduates for this particular job market or that particular career. We aren't happy unless our graduates are equipped to tackle any constructive cultural task anywhere, from courtrooms to hospitals to job sites to movie sets to the highest risk job and the most important setting of all, the raising and training of the next generation of immortal souls around dining room tables and in pews. The world may have gone mad, but it's not the first time. It has been saved before and by particular people, many of whom shared a very particular type of education. Augustine, Calvin, Jefferson, Churchill, and many lesser-known heroes in times of madness all had one type of education, one type of training in common. And it's the same kind of rigorous education we currently pursue surrounded by the rolling wheat fields of Idaho. By God's grace, our civilization will be saved or rebuilt from the smoking ruins. The men and women capable of such a task, capable of fearless joy and fiery laughter, all while undertaking such hard cultural labor, those are the kind of graduates we want, the kind we expect. They are why we exist and why we teach what we teach. So you might call it a major in world building or culture shaping or a major in saving civilization. We call it classical Christian liberal arts. New St. Andrews College, saving civilization since 1994.